Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode one of the Shaw Shaver Golf Podcast. My name is Frank Gargano. I'm the founder of Shaw Shaver Golf, and I'll be your host on this podcast that we're finally getting going. And a, a big reason why we couldn't get the podcast going is because I needed someone with, how do I put this nicely, the charisma to be on a show like this, be on a show like the Shaw Shaver Golf Podcast. It's going to be a lot of controversy. It's going to be a lot of really hot takes in the golf industry and i needed someone that could match me there so without further ado i have to introduce my co-host to the podcast to the shot Hero golf podcast his name is caleb blodgett he is the director of golf at the golf course that i am currently employed at which is richmond county country club in staten island new york it is the only private country club in new york city which is a thing that we just try and sprinkle on as many conversations as we possibly can uh, 20 years of experience in the golf industry, very, very good golf mind to say the least, and it's a pleasure to have him on the podcast. It's Caleb Blodgett. Caleb, how you doing, man? Thank you, Frank. I, I think it's exciting to uh, join the Shot Shaver Nation and, and be a part of this. So uh, Happy to have you. Yeah, excited to get this rolling. Let's dive right into it, though, okay? Um, we're going to go right into some current event stuff that's sticking out in the golf industry. One is, of course, the President's Cup, Tiger Woods... Had to do it. Had to pick himself. Caleb, I want to start with that. Was there ever a chance that he wasn't selecting himself to be on the team? How much of his win at the Zozo tied into that? I'm just glad. I mean, it's so fun to say Zozo. So I think <laughs> um, for those that are doing a drinking game today while they're watching, they can. Every time we say Zozo, it's a shot. Good uh, luck. Which will be fun. Good uh, luck. But uh, I, I think it's. Early in the season, there's no way he's going to pick himself. Mm. And then uh, what happens at the Masters, everyone starts talking about it. Um, and then towards the end of the season, injured again, not playing as well. And at the Zozo, he then goes goes nuts. And, um, you know, I think everyone saw that coming now that he had to pick himself. I don't know what the implications are. I, I don't know how you coach and play. So it's going to be fun to watch. Now, what people are nervous about, and me as well, I'm one of the biggest Tiger guys out there. Tough not to be at this point in time. But is he putting himself out for 36 holes on a Saturday? Is he going to do that? Does he know his limits? Will he stretch that? Or is he going to just take advantage and go out a real, maybe two, maybe play 36 holes in the whole event, but solid, rest it up? So I hope that he goes um, with whatever's going to be best for the team. So I think he's going to see what his game's like that week. The competitor, Tiger, wants to play. There's no doubt about that. But I think he feels that if the other players are on top of their game, we're not going to see Tiger every session yep. like we would have 10 years ago. And now you're going to see him a few times. And uh, I also think he has a lot of great friends as co-captains. And like any good coach, he should rely on them to do some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's true. So uh, it's, it's going to be amazing TV. It's going to be a good event. And the... The thing that I think that I think Tiger's mentality going in is is, is kind of how I put before where he's got to realize the young talent that he's got on the team and to ever put himself now the the thing I'm going based off is the Ryder Cup and the Ryder Cup everyone knows that Tiger as great of a season as he had last year looks a little sluggish at the Ryder Cup right and I think that he's taken more time off between uh, the end of that season going into the Ryder Cup last year as opposed to now. Um, but the thing that I would still look for is again is him is him knowing his role now and 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 I hope dialing it back a little bit as much as I like to see him out there. He's got some talent on that team. And I I think the other thing that we should uh, give some thought to is 
is this a different tiger? Is this tiger who's smiling on the golf course, who's chumming it up with people? I think he's going to be a better teammate now where back when he was trying to, uh, that killer instinct, he couldn't turn that off. Um, I'm excited to see in this latter part of his career, is he able to be a good teammate? And with Tiger, why would we doubt him? I mean, you got to think that he can now change direction and be a great teammate. And I can't wait to watch. It's going to be a great event. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch you off guard a little bit here. But okay. something that I want to do is that I want us to pick two people each from the roster. I think you have your roster up as well here now. I do. Even though we both have them memorized, obviously. No since, doubt. Since the second they dropped, we've memorized them. Um, but what I want to do is I want to pick two people each. I think three is a little aggressive being that there's um, only 12 people on the roster here. Two people each. We're going to go snake draft order. I'm going to go first. It's my okay. show. Yes. Then you can le- go second. Okay. Then I get to go third. Then you're going to go draft. third. And I'm going to go fourth and wrap it up. Okay. And what are we picking? Most total points at the event earned. Wow. Okay. Now, the issue is that if they're on the same team, if they earn points in a team event, they both get equal points. So if a team wins however many points, both players on that team are awarded those amount of points. You and I are playing a match against Tiger and Phil. Yes. And and you and I beat them, Yep. obviously, because we're playing at Richmond County. Yes. For this wager, we're each getting a point. We're not, or are we getting a half a point? No, correct, a point. We each get a point. Not a half, we're not splitting anything. You you get your points. You keep all your points. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to start out. My number one, and now a, a big thing that we alluded to the first time is that it's it's going to be based off people that you think are going to be playing a lot as well. It, you have that your strategy. I, I already have my strategy. I don't need your help. Okay, I'm going to probably pick your guy right away. Um, I'm going to go number one pick, Justin Thomas. Really? Yep. Do you think he's going to be back and ready after that big loss from Alabama? Yes. Okay. Correct. In three and for weeks. for all our golf nerds fans, golf nerds, um, Alabama just lost to LSU this past Saturday. So there you go. You're welcome. In football. Take that into your uh, into your pro shop talk. You can be able to bring up that game. It's good. Good to have in the back, back pocket there. Okay, Caleb, your pick? Uh, to keep things fair, I'm going to start with the United States team or, or keep it going with the United States team. Are we, do, are we doing both? You were only going to pick us. I was thinking only USA. Wow. Two players on the USA team. But, okay. But correct me if I, but you want to go all? But maybe we do more then. Well, I mean, I, I, I like you said, this was a surprise. So um, maybe we do more. Maybe okay. we do four. Four total. total. Four total. We'll just keep snaking it. Either team. Go ahead. Okay. So I need two Americans now. So I am going to take um, – I will go with – Wow, this is quite an American squad we have. Yeah, take your time. Um, wow. Still my turn to go? Yes, it is. Um, I'm going to go with Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed, good pick. He's got a chip on his shoulder, um, mainly because he's a snacker and has and has leftover Pringles on his shoulder. Um, I'm now it's you again. It's it's still me. God, you made the rules, and so now we need to follow those. Uh, that's why I picked him, is because I I didn't really have to go out on a limb. I knew I had you know two picks. Good, good. Um, 
strategy? I, I think um, I think he's going to be really excited. Um, one of his first team competitions. Uh, I'm going to take Patrick Cantlay. Big Patrick guy, are you? I didn't plan that, but I'm all in on Team Patrick. Okay, so now um, I get two picks. I'm going to go. You get one more American. I'm going to go with. I'm going to take Mark Leishman. Okay. How about that pick? You know, we're going to. There's there's certain picks that people make in sports in a, in a lifetime that you look back on as really special picks. Mark Leishman is going to have a route, and it's going to be the only bright spot of the entire international team. Mark Leishman, mark it. Uh, I'm going to go again, and my next pick on the loop around is Bryson DeChambeau. Really? The yes. scientist? Yes, please. And you're up. And I'm up. And, and so now I pick two foreigners? You need... Correct. We're going to make it even. So now you need two foreigners. You're out of Americans. I, I'm out of American spots. Yes, sir. Um, so I will do um, – I, I love the Leishman pick because Thank I you. believe he is Australian. Thank you. Is that correct? He is Australian. It's a it, home uh, It's kind of home a home game advantage. for him, right? Yes. Um, so that's exciting um, for you. Thank you. I will take um, another really solid team here. Please. Let's go with Hideki Matsuyama is my first Great pick. pick. Great pick. And Adam Hadwin as my second pick. Okay. And now that could have just evened everything. We're locked in. I have one more uh, pick. It has to be an international player. And it's funny because you told me why my Mark Leishman pick was good and then proceeded to not pick the other person in the field Two other people in the field, actually, you had the two. choice of yeah. that that same um, motivation would lie in as well. So I'm going to choose between Jason Day and Adam Scott right now. I f- I'm just going to go on the record and say that I don't like Jason Day that much. I'm in sorry. general or for this event? He seems like such a good person. Yeah, he is. He is a great story. I don't really like him that much. But But do we have time today to get into why you don't like him or it's just you, something about him rubs you the wrong way? Um, I think it's mainly facial. Some people have faces that, you know, that you just can't get past. But I think, but again, I think Jason Day's a great guy. Being that I said all that, I can't go ahead and pick him now. I'm going to go with Adam Scott as my last pick. Okay. So, so now let's just recap the teams quick. Yes. We'll start with Caleb. Caleb's two American players are Patrick Reed and Patrick Cantley. Correct. On the international side, Hideki Matsuyama and Adam Hadwin. That's a really good team. Okay. My team is JT, and Bryson DeChambeau is my Americans. Not as good. Mark Leishman and Adam Scott, home field advantage, uh, lock them both in. Jason Day is going to stay on the bench. That's really good. I, I, I think your strategy, I was impressed with it. I wasn't impressed enough to want to like jump on the bandwagon and do it myself. Got it. So I think it'll be interesting to see if it comes to fruition or not. We shall see. Uh, and uh, what's the wager going to be? Mm. <laughs> I think we announce that next show. Unless you have something off the top of your head, I'm all in. Something I, I trust your judgment. I have nothing, and I don't want to have them wait for it. I do not. I'm a slow so, thinker. So I think we will, when we, maybe the first day of the President's Cup, as we update on how 
our wager is progressing. Yep. We can also say what the stakes are. I am leaning towards some sort of an outdoor um, situation. It's going to be cold winter. in New York City. Mm. So maybe play a hole with only a T-shirt on or we'll, we'll figure it out. Got it. Okay, Caleb, I have a trivia question for you. And it's a, just a yes or no answer. Can it be for the listeners as well? Uh, sure. They just can't respond to us live like you're going to right Okay. Now. Since 1994, out of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, we've had 10 President's Cups since then. Okay, 10 President's Cups. The, US, the U.S.'s record over the international team is what in those 10 events? So this is one of those times where I'm going to blow you away. You know, and I, I'm sorry. I said it was a yes or no question. It's not. It's not. I'm sorry about that. You want How me many to? Times? You want me to answer with what the record is? Correct. Out of the last ten times since 1994, we've had ten Presidents Cups. How many times? What's the record? So, and I want the listeners to know. Although I have a laptop in front of me. Yep. I'm not using it. Nope. To get the answer. So if this is correct, it's only um, historical knowledge. I'm rooting against you. I wouldn't <laughs> let you look it up. So they it's know. True. Go to ahead. keep things fair. Um, so I think I'm going to be within one match of being correct. That's okay. my buffer. So over under, I'm going to be off by one, but I'm going to be excited to be off by one. Um, there was a tie. I remember the tie. Okay. So it's, it's going to be a three. It's going to be three numbers. The last one's going to be a one. There was one where we tied. Wow. You want to help me out? Yeah. No, this is going better than I thought. Okay. I'm not going to tell you yet. Go ahead. Okay. So so I think the last number is going to be one. There was one tie. Um, handshake, Tiger and Ernie, possibly, but okay. th- there was definitely a tie. Um, I think we have lost. So you subtract that out of the, the 10 events. So now we're down to nine. So I'm going to go uh, seven, one, and one. No, that doesn't add up to 10. Unfortunately, that's nine. <laughs> Can I do eight one and one? We'll cut that. We'll cut that. Eight one and one? Yes. Final answer. I, I, I think the only thing I'm, I'm concerned with Go ahead. is the victories on the uh, international team side. But I'm going to do eight one and one. That's, that's locked in. Okay. Um, so the correct answer is nine zero oh, and one. We have not lost once in 2003. In South Africa, 17 to 17 tie. Okay. That was the closest that they've gotten. And for listeners, really everyone wins again in this situation because I said I was going to be one off. So I was one off. You're one off. Uh, you, thought, you thought I had no chance, though. No, I, th- I thought you had a chance. I thought it was kind of a layup. We were talking before about how they've never really won, and I thought there was a chance you guessed. Once you said you knew the tie, I thought you were going to say, I know if they tied and we haven't lost. No. I did not know that. Okay. Moving but on. That's a great question. Thank you. Yeah. Moving on. Eddie Pepperell had the best golf headline I've ever seen in my life. I think. Over the weekend. Um, first of all, I think all the listeners want to know what the headline is. But then uh, I'm, I'm interested to dive in on this because I think he's uh, such an interesting cat. So the headline is um, Eddie Pepperell was DQ'd from Turkish Airlines Open. After running out of golf balls, uh, he said he had five. Okay. He proceeded to lose all of them. Now, have you 
you've been a, a, around this game a lot longer than I have. You're a lot older than me. Uh, for radio listeners, I'm not, or podcast listeners, not that much older. Like if you looked at both of us, you would say uh, it's possible that I'm like a creepy uncle. Yep. You know, th- like it's it's we're both from a similar generation. Millennials. Depending on when you consider the first year of millennials, I consider it 1981, which counts me as a millennial. Mm. So I'm in, and okay. you're in. I'm in. So I'm at the tail. I'm at the far end, though, the, of the same spectrum. So I think that the golf ball thing's really cool um, <laughs> for a couple reasons. Um, and I think uh, so. My quick story, please. Uh, and I'm sure this won't get edited out. Um, in high school. Okay. We're playing a great team. Um, shout out to uh, Cuba High School Golf back in Cuba, Illinois. Cuba. And uh, at the time, I was the two-man on our team, and our number one man, Nick Mavitz, was playing one of the players from Havana. I bet he's not a golf pro now. He's not. Nick. Nick Mavitz is not a golf pro. Um, Havana, Illinois. So Cuban Havana, Illinois. Anyways, Havana, Illinois, great high school team, and their number two player, or number one player, uh, decided he was done for the day. Wow! And handed all of his golf balls to Nick, our number one, so that he could walk off the golf course and tell his coach he was out of golf balls. So he like took Eddie's situation to another wow. level by taking all his golf balls and giving them to someone else so that he ran out of golf balls. Okay. So what you're telling me is that he was playing with Martin Keimer. Yes. Hot take. Martin Keimer should be investigated for the amount of golf balls he left with because Eddie Pepperell probably gave him all of his golf balls so that he can quit. Well, is that how you're tying the two stories together? That's one of the ways. um, But I guess I I did read an article with Martin Keimer, and he said that both he and their third playing partner. George Coetzee? How do you you pronounce his last name? I'm not going to go down that road, but it is George C O E T Z E E, Coetzee. Coetzee. I I like it. That's I I like those for to put my um, drink in. Like you put your drink in this. in a in a Coetzee. A Coetzee. And uh, he uh, they were gonna like let him borrow a ball because under the new rules. Oh wow. You can borrow a golf ball from a um, playing competitor if it happens to be the same brand. And he said no. He never even asked. So, See, so he, I think that tried to DQ himself. I think that's where they alluded to that he wasn't having a great day. Like mm. he wasn't really into it. He had putted on a previous hole with his wedge. Um, so he's kind of just—he's uh, all over the map. He's—he's he's awesome. He's great for golf. Uh, love this story, and I also love that it gives us a chance to mix in a little ten cup. So, you know, it's kind of that ten cup where. Hey, man, hit a great shot because you're going to run out of golf balls. And he just ran out of golf balls. Crazy. Now, okay, so question for you. You're our rules guru. Yes. What was the official reason he was DQ'd from the event? What's the terminology used? When you run out of golf balls. The terminology for running out of golf balls. When they say officially, why did he get DQ'd? What's written down? Do you have the answer to this? Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> so this is not a hypothetical. This nope. is um, I, I would uh, my my quick jump to conclusion would be we are uh, running out of uh, equipment to use. 
running the lack there of equipment? Final answer. And just running out of equipment. Like he, he ran out of equipment. He didn't have enough. Failure to complete a hole. Okay. Is the official reason why he was disqualified. Just nuts and bolts. So you know. Just, we see how we feel about that. We could see if I, we want to edit out me just testing you on the spot. I think it's I think it's good though for the for the for the because now you're as off guard as a listener is. I think well, it's only fair. Throughout this whole process, I've been off guard. You have a sport jacket on. I do not. Yes. So I think you know that alone has made it awkward. It also this. shows us where our heads are at in regards to how serious we're taking this podcast. Yeah, but I also think a T-shirt that I won at a Mets game is appropriate for the first podcast. It's not. It's not. Anyway, Pepperell's an all-time guy. I think that's a cool I think that's a crazy move. I also love the fact that if you run out of golf balls, you you're not allowed to take it from another person. Even though you're maybe allowed to by the rules now. Right. You got to you got to either be more prepared. Your caddy's getting spoken to. We need more golf balls, but you're not being like, "Yeah, I'll take one from you." That's Walk off the golf course, bro. Uh, yeah, no, no. I, I think it is what would have been more interesting to me about this whole story is if there would have been some blame to be placed, I would like to see some sort of interaction with this caddy where he was pointing fingers at his caddy. Yeah, we, we've did. seen that years back where um, someone has too many clubs and they blame it on their caddy or doesn't have the right driver and they blame it on their caddy. Um, I could see that where... It's the caddy's job to make sure he has six balls in his golf bag, and he didn't have that. And the other thing I think is cool about this, which is where my head goes from the equipment and merchandising standpoint, um, I really like Golf Digest, some of these other magazines now coming out with what players carry in their bag. Mm. And, you know, some guys yeah, true. don't carry that many golf balls. So, I mean, they're a pretty, um, you know, consistent group. And, uh, have a pretty high health self-esteem when it comes to the golf course. So a lot of guys don't carry that many golf balls. It's tricky. And those golf courses they play too, like it's not a, you know what their advantage though is, and I'll, I'll, I will stick to this, that, you know, people, people are always trying to talk about the different advantages that tour pros may have, right? If it's a um, athletic ability or if it's Go- a whatever, golf nerds are talking about, that. whatever it is, golf nerds everywhere discussing yes, this on a, on, a, all the time. on a daily basis. The number one advantage they have are the eyes in the fairway. I, I disagree. No. What is it? I think you're on the right track here. Do, do you go bowling? Do you ever bowl? Yeah, I bowl. Okay. Do you ever see people with the bumpers in? Do you know what a bumper is in yeah, bowling? Yeah, of course. The inflatable thing so you can't have a gutter ball? Yep. That's what, inflatable. you know, every round Tiger plays where he has 12 deep on each side of the fairway, he's got a bumper. Like imagine how good our game would be if if well, every the time stops too then every time I hit off a group of people it drops two yards from the rough. I, I think you're gonna have a lot of playable shots and not only groups of people but groups of people eager to take a ball yes. off the chest. If exactly. I if, again and I know that you'd agree we're at a major championship, 16 okay. hole coming down the stretch. Big yep. cat needs a fairway. It's you coming out, at you. You you're, jump out in front of it and just, and sure. just caress it into the fairway. You have to. And for our listeners who know Frank, um, he would have to be standing next to two decent-sized human beings because there's not a lot of Frank to hit. I'd have to be in- extremely accurate with my dive. Yes. <laughs> It'd be very uh, believable. So that will be hard to do. It's true. Now, okay, so let's move on. Eddie, again, you're, you're a legend. It's what's one of the coolest stories yeah. I've ever seen. Very cool. I want to get into a segment with you here. Now, we stated in the last segment that you're, that you're the, our rules guru and our, our, our rules guy on staff here. Someone has to be. 
in your professional opinion, what have been some what are the the standouts of the rule changes that we've seen so far this year on a professional level and on more of a uh, amateur level like that we might have seen here at, at Richmond County this summer? Well, as a PGA professional, I, I always give my professional opinion. So that's the only yes. opinion I have. Uh, it says so right at the bottom of my card. Um, we did. We adopted new rules this year. Uh, 2019, USGA, some changes. Um, it was interesting early in the spring to see how they were going to work out. I think we were a little uh, unaware of what the changes would be like and how people would adopt them. Um, I think there are four or five big changes this year which have become commonplace, and I think we've become accustomed to these new rules. Overall, I think the USGA is definitely moving in the right direction. They're trying to get the game faster, easier to understand the rules. And let's be honest, if you want to play by the rules, we have to make the rules um, easily digestible so that if you and your buddies want to play by the rules, you can. I'm not saying everyone has to. For sure. But if it's a formal event, you it should be easier to understand what the rules are um some of those changes this year the big one was keeping the pin in i think that's going to be number one for all of us the change to now having the pin in the hole and when we putt you've got something to look at it's a three-dimensional object and what do you like with your students frank do you like them to keep it in take it out so my number one thing in regards to keeping the pin in is all about distance control. So for a longer putt, putting to a three-dimensional object is always going to be easier than a two-dimensional, right, or something that's um, that was that's flat in the ground. So in regards to distance control, I'm all in on it. I still am just borderline on the fence in regards to ricochets, um, but what people fail to realize is sometimes the pin helps them out on those ricochets, right? Definitely. So they'll, they'll, it'll kill the ball a little bit. Um, you know, people don't realize if their ball's got some pace on it, it could be rolling five, six, seven feet by. Yep. Uh, ricochet seems violent, but when it knocks it to two feet, uh, you might you might have gained an advantage there. No, 100%. I think they're judging two outcomes. They're saying, had the pin not been in, that ball would have gone in the hole. So it hits the pin, it goes three feet away, Let's be honest, had the pin been removed, if it's moving at such speed that the ball hit the pin and only went two or three feet away, had the pin not been in, there's no way there's enough time for gravity to pull the ball down into the hole. It would have gone by 12 or 15 feet. And I think that's a big point there is people are seeing it as make or miss. And I would like them to see it as miss, but closer on your next putt than you would have been if you miss with the pin out pretty big deal and it's a huge deal and i think that's a really big point on this i love it i try to do it all the time unless it's a downhill putt or excuse me unless it's an uphill putt or side hill putt where i think the pin's just hanging in a little weird um i'll keep it in even on really short putts and i love that it speeds up the game um another there are two other things that speed up the game definitely the three minute search so we switch from a five minute search to a three minute search i think if we're honest no one's doing three minutes now for a search, but because we tell people they only have three minutes, now they're doing a five-minute search, where in the old way they were doing a 10-minute search. No doubt about and it. And I think that's a really big deal, and it's helped out a lot. Three minutes goes by really fast, so we get out there. They take three minutes. They've already been looking for a minute or two. Um, that keeps it moving. And if you're not going to find it in the first three minutes, chances are you're not going to find yeah, it. Yeah, it's gone. Um, or you're not looking in the right spot. Uh, another big change 
which I love, uh, fixing any damage to the greens. So in the uh, pre-2019, you were on the green, you would call your competitor over or playing person over and say, this looks like a ball mark. Do you think it's a ball mark? I'm not sure. I think it is. And then you could fix it if it was a ball mark. If it was any other damage, you know, including a spike mark, you couldn't fix it. So you'd have someone out there with those big new soft spikes. They rip up the turf. You can't fix that, but you can fix ball damage. So now we create all damage is created equal. We can fix it all. Uh, it's good for the game. It speeds up play. Nobody's trying to get an advantage. And it should make it for uh, smoother putting surfaces, which is great. Hopefully everyone makes more putts. I always said that I wish there was a common sense rules version of golf. And that seems like a great step in that direction where it's – uh, you still have to make the putt, you know, no matter what you're fixing your way. It's not like anything is going to be um, – I, I don't see the opposite. I don't see how you fixing anything on the green to try and make it as normal as possible could be breaking the rule. Right. Know, so. And I think it's easy to enforce as well. It's just that concept that you can fix anything on the green, which is awesome. Um, also in that genre, um, it was a local rule in 2017 that a lot of us adopted – uh, accidental movement of the ball. So, so you're on the green and you've set your putter down and you accidentally touch your ball and your mm -hmm. ball moves. In 2017, it was a local rule that we could adopt. Now it's just written in the rules that even on the putting green, if you accidentally move your ball, you're just going to replace it and then play from that spot, which makes sense. So, so if you're marking your ball or whatever the case may be and you accidentally move it, you're going to be able to put it back and then hit from that spot. You didn't mean to move it. Those weren't, you know, it wasn't your intentions. We're not going to um, be ruled Nazis and, and penalize you for something you did on accident. You know, it's funny, too, the, a good point that, that came up. We had a, a rule seminar at the beginning of the year yeah. um, where a, a representative from the USGA came and tried to uh, explain to us what some of these changes were. And one of the points that people asked, one of the questions were, you know, how do you know that they're telling the truth right? right. when it was coming to the, the, the new – uh, identifying a ball where you can pick it up and, and these little things. And the, the the answer that the USGA representative had is that the first rule is that you're assuming honesty. Right. You know, so that's something that people forget. And all these rules changes, you're assuming that the person has the best intent. So when when someone knocks something on the putting green, we should be able to assume the good right. that they didn't mean to do it yes. you know, rather than the opposite. So uh, assuming that the intent is good, uh, again, are, are there going to be those cheaters out there? There always will be, but it's tough to – you can't play for that, though. No, and I think it's it's like anything. We can't um, – you can't try to always be one, one step ahead of people who are breaking the rules. Um, the rules are going to be more reactionary, and we're going to assume uh, good intent, and we'll go from there. And for us to prove that someone's breaking the rules, we're going to need more information for that. You know, it's uh, – Innocent until proven guilty, not the exactly. other way around. Uh, and the last, the last thing I think we should hit on before we move on um, is the knee drop. And uh, you know, to be honest, I was anti knee drop. Uh, I don't remember the behind the back move that was common, you know, 30 or 40 years ago. That was pre my time, Surprise, yeah. which is hard to believe, but it was. Um, I've always been a shoulder drop, and mm -hmm. uh, I didn't mind the shoulder drop. But the knee drop throughout the season, other than having to remind people when they do take a drop, if we're out there as a rules official, um, that's probably been the most said uh, words during a rules situation. Someone goes out there and then you remind them, oh, no, no, you got to drop it from your knee height. Um, 
it's actually worked pretty well. And I think what the USGA was thinking was, let's try to make it where if we're dropping the ball, the ball stays in the area where we wanted to drop it. And from shoulder height or higher, it's more likely it's going to move. And now my other opinion on this, on this rather, is that even at the professional level, there's been some backlash with you know p- people like uh, Ricky when he um, dropped one in between his legs there and was you know impersonating. You know when a when a USGA official sees poop in regards to you mocking them, it's really just a slap in the face. It's a tough look, man. Tough out of Ricky. Now, my take on it though is that when I was dropping from shoulder height, like you said before, there was a, a there was an annoyance and a, a big chance I was going to drop at drop into a different lie than you were you know intended to drop into from knee height, especially as a tour pro. If I was out there, I think I would love it in regards to. You know, whatever, I think you're going to have a good lie. Yeah, listen, everyone yeah. practices that. They say they practice it on the range or drops, you know, trying to think you can nail that down. Yeah. From knee height, it seems a lot simpler to get the lie you were intended. I think so. And I think uh, going back to your take on people being concerned with cheaters, if we assume, which in this situation we're going to because it's our podcast, if we assume mm. that there's good intention, then they probably have already been penalized with a stroke penalty. Now we're letting them take a drop, but because they already had a penalty, they've already kind of served their time. And now let's let them get back and let's let them start playing again and hit a shot instead of, you know, it's rolled too far away. Now you have to redrop it. Now you have to do this. Uh, And then back to pace of play. I I think we can all in the industry understand that uh, we love this game, but at times it takes too long. So let's implement rules that allow those who want to follow them to play the game in a faster way. I think that's awesome. It's, and it's got to be the name of the game in regards to saving our game, too. You know, the number one uh, thing you hear to people that don't want to get into golf is that it takes up too much time. Right. You know, so any rule that we can have to speed up the pace, it seems like uh, the number one priority of, of people that are trying to grow the game is to make sure it's a, a faster experience. Definitely. And I think it's um, in the world we live in, the podcast world, we're mm. good at things for 30 minutes, 45 minutes at a time. Um, let's have golf experiences that are faster. No doubt about it. It's huge. So now what else do we have in the uh, in the rule section? Is that that wrapped up? So that's it wrapped up. I mean, I think the, the one downside, I would say, with the 2019 rules, and we saw it in the last couple of weeks, uh, I, I still think we have a ways to go when it comes to using technology. I think our ruling bodies and the tours in particular, we have so much data now. Um, from stats, we, we should be able to, when someone's down with nine holes, they look at a tablet, they hit a button, and that counts as their score. Instead of, we're still using pencil and paper and a scorecard signature to be a real tournament score. And I'm all for history. I love it. I love the pomp and circumstance. But to have an iPad after nine holes where you just hit a button because we agree and someone's been keeping the score, and then at the end of 18 holes in the scoring area, we can quickly hit a button and it's all good. We live in a digital world. Let's get on board with some of these changes, which um, especially when it comes to people making their living, I think would make a lot of sense. Now, when people are trying to get into the game, one of the, the things that people would say is that it's a little old-fashioned right they're a little stuck in the past golf um and when you see someone lose a golf tournament because they wrote the wrong number down the scorecard or signed the wrong spot 
Um, meanwhile, everyone just watched them make a certain score, right? Again, like we were talking about before, there's no doubt of honesty. To see them lose because of that takes a little cre- credibility away from the game itself, I think, right? Where it's totally... How, how about this? Imagine if Michael Jordan's playing and he gets done and he's getting interviewed and he misquotes how many points he had or how many rebounds he had. Everyone was just like, and oh you're like, God. God, sorry, man, you lose the game. Sorry, bub. Yeah. You, you, did not, you did not score keep for yourself accurately throughout the game you just played. So That's a great point. The Bulls, you, look at, you guys lose now. It makes no sense. So that's the one that uh, I like that point. That's, I think, the last step in regards to really perfecting the game up. No, I just think it's um, the first major step, I should say. Definitely not the last step, but I think that's a no, no-brainer. No, we, to do. we can have a separate podcast only talking about ways we're going to improve the game, um, especially you know around New Year's resolutions time. Um, what are the things we need to do to make the game better? And I just think in a world where technology is – impacting all parts of our lives let's figure out how to embrace it we're not going to change it Mm -hmm. but let's embrace it and let's make it better so if we can find ways to enhance and use technology to make the experience better by all means let's do it i mean and and let's just be honest that it is a traditional game there's no doubt about that but we're not playing the same game that they played a hundred years ago we have drastically different equipment now um, we have similar rules, but golf courses are drastically different. What we are wearing and while we're playing is drastically different. No doubt about that. So, um, you know, and instructions drastically different. You yep. know, I think that's where um, the game is changing, and we should be at the forefront of that. And now what a great bridge that is into our last section here. As a, as a golf instructional company first, I wanted our last section to be about uh, you know, where me and Caleb see instruction right now, some of the trends that we see going, and, and, and maybe some of our, our favorite people that we're watching as well. And to start it off, what I'm seeing so much of and what I've wanted to talk on, on more of a podcast form about is the direction that junior golf is headed, headed and how good it is right now. You know, and, and, and we're so connected where we see so many of these different swings going around the Internet of these 8-year-old kids and these 7-year-old kids shooting uh, you know, a, a, just a ton under par. And I think how connected we are is a big reason of how motivated these students have to be from a young age, right? Because more, more so than ever, you see your competition, right? So when you see where other kids are at eight years old, it puts instructors on the spot a little bit because, listen, technically, if this kid can do it, why can't mine? Right. And, you know, and then that's something personally I challenge myself with. Um, as an instructor, but when you, when it's so easy to see nowadays, uh, the level of certain kids are around the world that you just didn't have access to. No one saw a seven-year-old swing, uh, 20 years ago. Right. You know, that just wasn't available on YouTube and wherever you, you watch your swing videos, but to have that access to see how, how kids of your skill level, then the top kids of your skill level, what they do, how they train, it's really, again, the, the, the gist of that whole spiel is putting instruction on the spot in regards to this is what my kid's doing. Um, you got a kid the same age, same kind of talent level. You know what's up with them. So I, I think the, the connectivity of where we're at right now in regards to sharing talent is putting everybody on the spot and motivating uh, instructors and students and players uh, to a whole different level. And I also think from a kinesiology standpoint, which uh... – quick note that was my minor in college wow um how the body moves 
it's interesting to see at a young age how pliable learners are. So when we work with a four-year-old, a five-year-old, a six-year-old, um, it's amazing how quickly they can go from a bad movement or a bad habit to a good movement. And when we work with adult students, we have years, if not decades, of scar tissue that we've got to cut through. And the other thing that I would mention, which I think is a big deal, is, and it's why I love working with junior golfers so much, uh, junior golfers, um, they're problem solvers. So, so when you work with a junior golfer, um, they're not afraid to try stuff. They're not afraid to feel slightly uncomfortable. Um, you know, we make kids feel uncomfortable and awkward all the time. Um, looking at a junior high Caleb Blodgett, that was awkward. I mean, I have, I have a, you know, several years of straight awkwardness to deal with. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's when you work with a junior golfer, they quickly can change things. Mm -hmm. And I think as adults and adult learners, we should be able to take a page from their book and better understand that, you know, awkwardness, uncomfortableness leads to change and can lead to positive changes in your game. And junior golfers can adapt and change quickly, which is awesome. No doubt about it. Yeah, so junior golf really is in a great spot right now. Uh, and now in, and into the tour pros, what are you seeing? Uh, are, have you seen a trend of where their instruction is going on, on what people are really dialing into in regards to maybe, say, strokes gained putting, strokes gained off the tee? Is there something that you see right now that, that people are going on? So I think what's, what's, everything's cyclical. And I think what's so cool about technology, again, you know, not to harp on it, but technology and instruction right now is awesome because when I got started, you know, 20 years ago, it was going to be everything was visual and you were comparing a swing to Tiger Woods or to Adam Scott and saying what was good and what was bad. And now, because we're using a foresight quad like we use or TrackMan or FlightScope, it's all data and it's all numbers. And I think when you see a Matt Wolf and your boy George Gankus and what they're working on, it's not visually appealing as much as it is making the golf ball do what we want. Correct. And I think that's why we're in such a great space right now because if more parents see that although the movement's important, we're working towards um, efficiency, um, efficient movement patterns that are healthy, that don't create damage to your body, mm. and that over time will be really good. And then if you work at it, you can repeat that movement over and over again. So I think it's a really exciting time for instruction. And, you know, the, the thing I always think about as an instructor is how hard that must have been back in the day to have a student say that had similar motions as a Tiger Woods or a Ernie Els, whoever you're comparing them to, right? but didn't have the numbers yeah. to make the ball do the same thing. Right. So so a student is saying, wait, I'm in the same position here yeah. at, on the downswing. Why am I hitting it this far? No. Just based off speed alone, right? pros are able to say, okay, this is how hard you swing it. We can focus on trying to change your, you know, working out or stretching out, trying to get you swinging faster. But with that speed, the ball can literally only go this far. No, yeah. You, you put me in a red mock turtleneck and black pants and a black Nike hat and have me swing next to Tiger Woods, and um, you can see a difference. Yes. And I think that's where we got caught up in trying to make people look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited that we're now on to – 
let's be results driven and not care quite as much as how visually pleasing it is. We want to see results. And from the student standpoint or the parent standpoint, if, if it's a junior golf situation, we can show them black and white data. We can say your child's seven iron now goes X. Mm-hmm. Their strokes gained has gone down. Their bunker game has improved where it all used to be kind of this touchy-feely semantics of, I think I'm getting better. Yeah. Well, how do oh, you think tough. you're getting better? Yep. And and on that note, the you know the, the data is what this all comes down to. In regards to instruction, that's all anybody shows. It's, it, it's about the numbers that they're producing because for on a, on a, to get repeatable, you need those numbers to be repeatable. Right. You know, people don't realize the gaps that they have in some of their yardage, the difference in spins of the shot that are hitting. Um, data right now is, is is definitely taking over the trend of the industry and, and the reason why instruction is as good as it is. Now, Caleb, our last segment is always is, is referred to as our one our one last shot. Okay, Love now it. what one last shot is is going to be the recap of today's episode. What you took away and what you think provided the most value uh, to our listener. So, I think my one last shot today. It's just you know it's our first podcast in this. Um, under this umbrella and I'm so excited to be able to go into this project with you with our listeners and have them challenge us to bring on great guests great insight and also be able to give our take on what's going on in the world of golf Uh, I think it's a great place to be and I'm excited to see how this process plays out it's gonna be fun absolutely and and mine is going to be along the same lines it's exciting to again like I stated at the beginning of the show to get on this new platform where we're able to uh, connect on a more personal level, give our insight onto things in the golf world, and um, and a platform for some of the cool golf minds that, that might not have had one before. So it's a great start. Again, I appreciate you being here, co-hosting. My pleasure. And we shall see you guys next time. Thanks again for listening.